Okay, I'm delighted to say that I'm with the former twice major quarterfinalist and world number 21, Gilles Muller. Gilles, we've just been uh, commentating today together. And uh, thank you very much for giving us your time. I'd just like to reflect a little bit on your marvellous career and and just talk about uh, looking back and all the, the lovely memories that you have. Of course, now you're commentating on some players you've played against. Is that a strange feeling? It is. It makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's nice to see that uh, a lot of my former colleagues uh, still playing and, and doing well and, and also the young guys that came up like like Sasha Zverev I mean I remember when I, I played him in a challenger ages ago and, and uh, to, to see him do so well now it's, it's really nice So just looking back at your career you've got two titles at the 250 level you've played in a couple of Olympic games uh, what ranks highest in your career any particular matches? Um, yeah, I think emotionally, I think my biggest win is when I beat uh, Andre Agassi in, in 2004 in, in Washington. Um, yeah, he was my idol growing up. I always uh, watched his matches. I always tried to, to buy his uh, latest shorts or latest <laughs> shirts or latest shoes or whatever. And, and then, yeah, all of a sudden he was on the other side of the net and, and then I beat him and that was, that was quite big, yeah. Did you ever have, because uh, now we know having read the Andre Agassi book that he had a bit of a wig you didn't ever go for the, the Andre Agassi wig as well as the outfit. I mean, I could. I'm also losing my hair, so I should have maybe had, should have tried a wig. But no, didn't ever went for the wig. <laughs> and then, of course, the win against Nadal at Wimbledon. Yeah, I think that's the most popular win, let's put it that way. I, I think uh, when people talk talk about my career, that's uh, that's the win that, that comes out uh, the, the most. And uh, it was a big win, obviously. I mean, I, I, that was a, one of the best matches I've ever played. And also the way it went, the match, five sets, it took forever. And then, um, yeah, it was it was a great night. So uh, not many people managed to beat Nadal in five sets, but you did it. What's the key? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, in that match, I, I found my my happy place, my happy zone. I was uh, normally known for sometimes losing it a bit on the on the court and, and, and uh, getting upset on my, on, with myself and and losing control a bit but in that match I don't know what happened it was just the perfect day I stayed calm throughout the whole match won the first two sets but playing really well then he stepped it up but uh, yeah I kept my composure in the fifth set uh, had a few break points against me had a few match points also earlier in that fifth set but somehow yeah just managed to, to get through So there were quarterfinal appearances in 2017 Wimbledon and you also reached the quarterfinals of the US Open Second round twice at the French Open and a fourth round at Australia. Which is your favourite major overall? Well, I mean, they, they're all nice, let's put it that way. But um, I think Australia ranks, ranks quite high because, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, being from Luxembourg, I spent uh, so always November, December, six, seven weeks or sometimes eight weeks uh, at home uh, in, in the bad weather. And then it was always nice to head off to Australia knowing that there was uh, plenty of sunshine, nice people, big crowds they love their tennis over there so that was always very nice but obviously Wimbledon it's 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 so big Wimbledon it's it, to be part of that tournament to be part of that tradition is is something very big so uh, so those two grand slams were my favorite and then obviously the French Open uh, I have a lot of French uh, friends but I have to say it's the one that I liked uh, the least <laughs> because obviously clay court was not my thing and then the results were not that good and many times you also like the places where you play well and I never did well in the French Open so then that's why it's ranked four. That's fair enough. Now you have two titles to your name both at 250 level but you'd lost a few finals haven't you before you finally broke through against Dan Evans in Sydney. 
So uh, how was it in those finals which you lost? Was there ever a feeling where you just weren't going weren't gonna to break through? Yeah, for sure. I mean, in the beginning, the first final that I played, um, I mean, we spoke about Andre Agassi is when I beat him in the semifinals. And at that point of my career, I was just very happy to be in a final. It was something new. Then I played Leighton Hewitt in that final. The, the year after, I played Andre Agassi in the final. So, I mean, I could live with those losses, let's put it that way. Even though I wanted to win, it was not not as tough to lose against those those players. But then later on in the career, I had um, when I felt, okay, my career is coming to an end and I don't have a title, I felt more pressure. And, and also, yeah, I felt like I should... I, I, a couple of those finals, I was the favorite in, in, the, in those finals. So, uh, yeah, the, the pressure got to me and I uh, wasn't able to perform well. And then I was so happy and so relieved when I finally won that final in Sydney in 2017. You won against Dan Evans, uh, yeah, 2017 Sydney International, 7-6-6-2. Do you remember the feeling when you clinched match point? I remember the feeling I had when I was sitting on the bench after I just broke in for the second time in the second set, being up 5-2 and knowing that I was going to serve for the, for, the, for the match now. And uh, I felt like, yeah, I felt very shaky, very nervous but uh, made three good first serves, was up 40 love, and then at that point, I couldn't play anymore. <laughs> I think, I, I can't remember exactly, but I know the f- at, at 40 love, it was a double fault, and then I um, I think a forehand went to the fence afterwards, and then I missed the first serve again. I said, oh, somehow I just need to put that second serve in now. And uh, lucky for me, he missed the, the return, and then it was all over, and then, yeah, a big rock fell off my shoulders. Oh, that's amazing. And then, of course, you followed it up uh, in the Netherlands by winning another on the grass this time, beating Ivo Karlovic. Surprisingly, two tiebreak sets, 7-6, <laughs> 7-6. Seven, six, seven, six, and that must have been an, a nice feeling just knowing that uh, you can do it again. It wasn't just a one-off. Yeah, exactly. That, that was a nice feeling. And also having that revenge that uh, I lost to Karlovic the, the previous in Newport in the finals and then winning here. And obviously the, the grass court was always my favorite part of the of the year. And then starting off with a win in, in uh, Hertogenbosch was, was, uh, was nice. And then obviously after I made the semis in Queens and the quarters in Wimbledon, so I had a very... Very nice uh, summer on the grass that year. And that was the year that you got to your career high ranking of 21 in the world. What stopped you from getting into the top 20? Well, I think, as you mentioned, I mean, I, I, I had my most, uh, the, the biggest success at, uh, at the end of my career. 2017 was my best year by far. But uh, unfortunately, also, I got injured that year again. Uh, I had some problems with my elbow in uh, 2013, stopped for, for almost uh, six, seven months. And um, then, unfortunately, this injury came back. And mm. um, so that was was quite tough to take because uh, I kind of knew then, okay, this is it now. Because I was not ready um, to, to, to stop again and, and uh, uh, stop almost a year again and, and having maybe surgery and, and this kind of thing. So uh, I decided quite quickly in 2018 that uh, that, uh, that was it because I, I felt that I, I, I suffered too much. I, mm. I didn't enjoy it anymore. I didn't. I spent more time at the physios, at the doctors, than on a tennis court. Wasn't able to, to play at 100% anymore. And uh, yeah, I just felt it was enough. And it's a long way back, isn't it? Not only are you injured sitting on the sidelines, you've also got to do all the rehab. But meantime, all your rivals are getting better and they're putting more match wins on the clock. Yeah, they're not waiting for you. That, that's, uh, that's tough. When you're injured, you just feel like, okay, I stopped now, but those other guys, they just, they just go on. And, mm. and, and that's, quite a tough feeling I had that twice in my career and yeah I just didn't feel like I was able to to pull it off a, a third time so you retired in 2018 any regrets no not at all I was happy that I stopped I was able to to finish um, at a nice tournament at the US Open uh, I didn't feel like uh, trying to 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 to, uh, to play a few more months or maybe to finish at the challenger level I wanted to play at, to, to stop at a, at a nice big tournament and uh, 
it was during the summer holidays, so my family came with me, my, some friends came with me, so that was it was perfect, perfect moment to stop. Um, is there anything about your career that you would change? Obviously, you had a wonderful serve, lefty serve, fantastic volleys and touch at the net. Um, would you do anything differently? Oh, yeah. I think there's many... Th- I'm, uh, first of all, I, I don't have any regrets, let's put it that way, because everything I did, uh, everything that I achieved was, was hard work, and uh, there was never a point in my career where I didn't... Uh, work hard enough where I didn't uh, want to be the best version of myself but I believe there's many times I just didn't have enough confidence in myself um, and, and just didn't do the right, make the right choices at the right moments uh, I think sometimes like for example people kept telling me as a child already you have to play serve and volley you have to play serve and volley but I didn't feel comfortable at the net so that's something that a coach later on taught me how to move at the net how to to be to to be uh, covering the court the, the net much better and and I regret that I didn't yeah have that coach early on and 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 pl- try to 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 play that game early on. And then what about as your career went? Any matches that you just look back at and sort of keep you up at night? Uh, yeah, I mean there's a few here and there. Obviously the finals that I lost, but I think that year when I made the quarterfinals in Wimbledon, um, that loss against Silic in the quarterfinal was was kind of. Uh, that that's probably the match the the where I think the most about it because I uh, I I played really well. I mean I don't have any regrets. I mean Silic is a great player and and uh, lost in five sets. But um, yeah, there's one point in the second set where uh, I won the first one, had break point in the second set, and uh, a forehand uh, just uh, clipped the the top of the net. And um, yeah, who knows what happened uh, if if I made that that break there? Maybe I win the second set. There's a lot of maybes if if but. Uh, I think I had a good chance of winning that match, and and that's that's sometimes hurting. And of course, there's sometimes probably in your career that you that forehand did go over the net, and other people are now regretting or thinking about those particular points. And what are you doing now? Uh, I'm doing a couple of things. I still I still am in tennis. I'm not playing that much, but uh, I coach a little bit. I am a, a director at a club in Luxembourg. Uh, I do some commentating. I'm in the Davis Cup captain in Luxembourg, and um, yeah, that's about it. So everything has to do with tennis still. And married with two two children who are tennis players? They are, they are. They're playing a lot of tennis. They like it. They're very passionate about it. It's uh, sometimes tough because uh, as a father, you obviously want them to do well. And um, But sometimes I think I, I ask too much of them because uh, I know what it takes to, to get to the top. And, and especially my oldest one, he's telling me every night that he wants to be number one in the world. And then sometimes I get carried away and say, okay, but to be number one, you have to do this, this, this and this. But I forget that he's only 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but he still needs to do this, this and this. And that's uh, cleaning his room, cleaning his teeth and brushing <laughs> exactly. his hair. So a little bit different priorities. Um, and you probably see it, don't you, as a tennis dad now, how difficult it is to coach your children, watch them play tournaments, maybe watch them lose, maybe get upset with themselves. But having been there, does that make it easier for you to sort of bring it all in and realise uh, you know, just how to control or how to take care of your child who's playing tennis? Well, I think one thing makes it much easier is that um, actually because I know what it takes to get there, I don't want to be the person that does it with him. So I leave it totally up to, to his coach to, to do whatever they want and uh, I'm not interfering with it. And I, I see that also as a director of a club uh, that is very tough for parents to, to let the, the coaches do their work. Um, but um, yeah, I totally let them do their work. Uh, what I ask of him is, to his, his attitude on the court when I when I go to see matches and I see him uh, complaining and maybe whining a little bit and, and not trying his best then I'm not, I'm not happy because then I'm telling him okay maybe we could have gone to the to the movies or do something else but at least have fun but mm. you're not enjoying this so why, why are we doing it we're losing our time here 
that's the only thing where I interfere. For the rest, I, I totally let them do what, what they want with, uh, with this coach. And do you see potential in him? He's 10, 10 years old. I think it's, <laughs> it's quite early. What I like about him is that he's trying a lot of things, even though he's losing points because of it. So, for example, I remember when he started playing matches, probably because he saw me doing it, he started playing serve and volley every single point. But, I mean, he barely saw over the net. So <laughs> he got lobbed every single time but kept doing it. So I thought it was funny. And I, I didn't tell him to stop it, even though he lost points, because I think it's, it's nice when, when he's trying something different than other players on the court. Let's go back to your junior career because it looks like you were a pretty good junior. You won the US Open boys title in 2001. Um, were you always a tennis player or did you play multiple sports? I was always a tennis player. I loved playing football, but um, yeah, it just never happened. I played football with friends at home or in school, but never in a club. So um, yeah, I was always a tennis player from, from early on. And then um, when did you decide to take it seriously and that a professional career might be ahead of you? Uh, quite late. Um, obviously, I always dreamt of it uh, as a kid uh, when I watched Agassi or Sampras. I uh, said, OK, I want to play there. But it only came at uh, age 16, 17, where I really decided, OK, maybe I can, I can do something in, in this sport because my results were not that good on the, on the 12, on the 14. Uh, I was always the best in Luxembourg, but as soon as I went across the border, I, I they, they they kicked my butt. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, didn't have good results. And then under 16, I had uh, a very good tournament in France, where I beat the best French players, the best English players, and uh, yeah, some some of the best in in Europe. And that's when I said, okay, whoa, what what just happened here? Maybe I can do something here. And then I started to work a bit more seriously. Started to um, to work even before I went to school in the mornings. And uh, because back then, also in Luxembourg, what I have to say is. We didn't have any support at all uh, for for any sport. I mean, people just were focused on school and and work afterwards. And uh, so when when for example when I left for a tournament and uh, had to to redo the work in school, the 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 teachers were not very happy to to do that, not to help. They didn't help me a lot. So it was quite tough to do that. And um, then I decided to 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 move abroad. I went to France for for two years, then to Spain, just to to be with people that that had the same idea as me, same the same. Uh, goal in 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 life, uh, which was to be a professional tennis player, and and that was that made it much easier. So you obviously had the support of your parents. And what age did you move to France? Uh, Sixteen. Sixteen, yeah. and then to Spain at eighteen. Yeah. And yeah. again, your parents are financially funding you. I was very lucky. I, I found um, in, in Luxembourg there was people that uh, that they helped me funding it because my parents were unable to pay for it, and um, so in Luxembourg there was some people that believed in me and and. Uh, and they, they helped me financially. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been possible. Yeah, there's so many stories of that, isn't there? And you just need that one person to believe in you and, and back you financially. And then, I suppose, later on, are you paying that person back? Or is that person getting tickets? Or you just maintain a relationship so they feel involved? Uh, I paid the person back, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the deal was uh, that if I ever crack the top 100, then I, I have to, to pay back uh, what, what, they, what they put in me. So you were the number one junior at one point, September the 10th, 2001, you got to the final of the Wimbledon boys and, as we said, won the Wimbledon or the US Open title as the boys. When did you hit the top 100? Quite late also. The transition from juniors to, to, the, to the seniors was quite tough for me because, uh, because I was coming from Luxembourg also. I didn't have the support of, uh, of any tournaments that gave me wild cards and, and these kind of things. So I had to go through qualies. So, yeah, it was, it was quite, uh, quite tough, the transition. So I think it took me two, two and a half years before I... Uh, I cracked the top 100. Okay, so you've cracked the top 100 and then top 50. Do you remember getting to that point? It also took me a while. I think I cracked <laughs> the top 100 in 2004 
after reaching the finals in Washington and then the top 50 for the first time, I believe it was in 2011. I think also sometimes what happened was that uh, my goals, they were not high enough. So sometimes, like for example, cracking top 100 was a big goal. And I think maybe when I did that, maybe I, I got a bit too casual and and uh, and um, yeah, maybe that one or two percent that that was missing to, mm. to go further. And, and um, so then I, it took me a while yeah, to, to find that. And um, yeah, then I, it took me another couple of years to break the top 50 again. How do you think you found it? What was the sort of changing point? Started to work maybe a bit. I mean, I always worked hard, but be much more focused on, on a lot of things. Uh, it's not only about the work on the court, but it's also everything that's outside the court, like uh, your routines with uh, with eating, your, your sleeping habits, uh, all these kind of things. And and when I started to taking taking care of all this, then, then then it happened. It's just the tiny margins, isn't it? Those little pieces, and you almost need someone, a coach or a professional player who's done it before to sort of guide you, and so you can avoid the mistakes that you're inevitably going to go through unless you have that advice. Yeah, totally. Also, one thing that that's very important is is scheduling. I mean, uh, I used to to kind of see, okay, I'm, I'm main enjoying this tournament, but then the week after I'm main enjoying the tournament all on the other side of the of the world, but I still made it. I still went there because I said, I, can, I cannot miss on, a, on the main draw ATP tournament. And and then afterwards I said, no, no, come on. If you're not main, if you're not main draw, you play qualities or you go play a challenger, but play four tournaments in Europe and then you take a break. So I was much more careful with all this and, and obviously this helps a lot. Of course. And talking about qualifying, so you were at uh, the 2008 US Open, you were ranked 130. You had to go through qualities. You qualified, which is very impressive because that's not easy, reaching the main draw. And then you got to all the way to the quarterfinals. Was that ever a thought in your mind that you'd get that far? No. <laughs> <laughs> Simple no, one. When, 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 when you qualify in, in a Grand Slam, I mean, obviously your first goal is to qualify for the main draw. And, and then you never know what can happen. Uh, but before that tournament, I didn't go there saying, OK, I want to I wanna make the second week of... Of, of this tournament but uh, it just happened I mean I had a good draw in the first round but then afterwards I played some really good tennis beat some good players and then uh, yeah all of a sudden I was in the quarterfinals which was amazing yeah, you beat uh, the fifth seed Nikolai Davidenko in the fourth round and a little bit like Roberto Bautista he's a sort of house isn't he for the ATP you know that you've played awfully well if you've beaten someone like Davidenko yeah 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 I played him a couple of times before that and I always didn't stand a chance at all and then in this match I, I played very good tactically. I remember with my coach we spoke before, and uh, yeah, we just said just don't give him any rhythm. Just uh, do whatever you need to 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 break his rhythm. And then uh, yeah, I played servant volley, slice, drop shots. Used every single shot I I had in my repertoire, and and uh, and yeah, and ended up winning that match. And in the next round, you played defending champion Roger Federer, and you lost seven six. Yeah, it was two tiebreak sets, six seven, four six, and then six seven again. Do you remember that match? I do, yeah, I do, and um, it was a good match. I played really well, obviously against uh, Federer. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's such a good player, such a great player, and such a nice guy that it, it's very hard to play him actually. <laughs> and uh, I mentioned it a couple of days ago that I was actually never able to play my best tennis against him in matches, which was a shame. But that was probably my best match against him, though. And uh, I remember I had um, break points in the first set, and I think I also had set point in the third but I can't remember exactly but uh, it, was, it was a close match I, I, I could have or should have won at least one set there and the reason you couldn't play your best tennis was that because he found a way to 
sort of niggle you almost in an awfully nice way like he does <laughs> no, I just think I had too much respect for him and uh, I felt like many times I lost the match already in the locker room before the match uh, I remember I played him also in Wimbledon in 2014 and uh, had a great uh, grass court season up until that, that match um, qualified in Wimbledon won a round beat Benetton in the first round uh, I won a uh, I played well in the challenges before that on, on grass as well, so I uh, had won a lot of matches and I was very confident and uh, yeah, just got on the court and, and, and couldn't couldn't perform well, which was yeah. very, very frustrating. I think a lot of people find that about Roger Federer, don't they? Um, after that, you had a little bit of an elbow injury, which you mentioned earlier, and you came back inside the top 50 in 2014. Was that tough? You're still a young man and you've had success. That probably helps you. Uh, come back to the game and and know where your level is. Um, I'm saying it, it. It sounds strange, but um, that elbow injury is probably the best thing that ever happened to me in my career because uh, um, I was not able to play tennis, but I was able to to work very hard physically, and and it's what I did. I was very determined. Uh, I remember when uh, we decided to to stop and 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 for for six months. Um, I took one week maybe where I went on holidays with, with the family and then afterwards I worked for six straight months in the gym every day, went running. Um, yeah, I worked my butt off and, and uh, I felt physically in, in the best shape ever, uh, which wasn't the case before because before that I had also an injury on my knees that was in uh, 2009 and also had to stop for, uh, for, for a long time, almost seven, eight months. But also during that time I was not able to work very hard because of the problems of the knees. I, they had to rest. Uh, and so I think at that point maybe I started to play a little bit too early. wasn't in the best shape, but uh, yeah, when when you're having, when you're winning matches and when you're playing, you just you don't you don't want to, you you want to play matches mm. obviously. And you, I didn't take that time to 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 get physically in the best possible shape. And but uh, in that time there in in 2013, I I did it and it helped me a lot. And you mentioned you went on a holiday with your family. At this point, were you married? Yeah, I was married already. And so how and was that, kids. being a married man and having children, being on the tour? It's not easy. I mean, uh, it was easy when the kids were little, when they didn't know if, uh, I mean, I could tell them I'm, I'm away for two weeks or three weeks, but uh, or one day, for them it was the same. Mm. They had no uh, no knowledge of, of time. But when they got bigger, uh, it got tougher, to be honest. Um, that's also something maybe at the end of my career in 2018, which, which also helped me making that decision, was that the kids, they started really to to tell me sometimes at night, okay, that do whatever you need to, but lose that match and get home now. <laughs> so that was that was tough sometimes. I mean, sometimes when I when when I hung up the phone or um, yeah, with some tough moments when you knew you were on the other side of the world, uh, far away, and and uh, and they they wanted you home, and so it was not easy. But um, it's part of the game, unfortunately. Yeah. A lot of people travel. I'm thinking Federer with his kids. Was that ever something that you would do as your kids get older? Of course, they're at school, but. Some players, I suppose, have tutors so that their children can have a, a relatively normal life while also traveling with you. Um, I mean, they did travel a lot when they were very little. But then, as you mentioned, they went to school, so it was tough to, to get them out. We didn't want to take them out of the, let's put it, the normal environment. I, I think it's important for kids to grow up with uh, with their friends in school and, and doing what, what everybody's doing. And and then obviously the other fact is also I didn't have the money to to bring a, a private teacher every single week. So um, yeah, they uh, obviously I wanted them with me all the time, but it was not possible. And then uh, you mentioned the elbow injury, obviously taking that time, which was the best thing that ever happened to you because you got really fit. So was that the reason for your 
just escalation up the rankings. You had your career best year, as you mentioned, in 2017. Yeah, I think so. I think I did really well also uh, in, in 2011, 2012. Uh, then the injury came with the elbow, but um, I was confident. That was a difference from with with, with before. Uh, I felt like I really could play with the, the the big the big guys out there, and I could do well in every single tournament I was playing. And um, yeah, the, the the fact that I was able to to work physically helped me of doing that every single week, which wasn't the case before. Maybe before I was able to do uh, one or two weeks, but then after the third or the fourth, they were not as good because I was struggling physically. But now I was able to do that every single week, which made which made the difference. So you obviously keep in touch with quite a few pros now. You've been retired. This is your fourth year of not playing. You don't play any tennis, but you do play another sport. Yeah, I do. I started golf. <laughs> <laughs> Every ex-tennis player plays golf. And, <laughs> and sometimes they play golf at the same time they play tennis. Yeah. So are there anybody you keep in touch with in particular? Yeah, there's some, some players I keep in touch with. Um, I mean, a player that I, I, I am in touch a lot uh, with who didn't play at the same time as me was is Henri Leconte because mm-hmm. he lives in Luxembourg. So we do sometimes some exhibitions together and, and some stuff like that. And then obviously a few friends that I play with like Bagdatis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus is a guy that I grew up with uh, because we, we, work, we work together at the Moratoglou Academy in Paris. Uh, some of the Belgian players, some of the French players that I see sometimes here, here and then. So yeah, I, I'm in touch with a, with a few players. Looks Still. like you lost to uh, Baghdadis in the semi-finals of the Atlanta Open. That's true. 2015. Yeah. Does he remind you of that sometimes? Uh, no, not really, to be <laughs> honest. I remember in the beginning when I played him, uh, he always beat me. But uh, I think the last two or three matches that we played, I beat him. So it's, it, we're okay. Oh, we're there okay. we go. We're fine, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you remind him <laughs> just of those. And you said you were a director of a tennis club. Would you ever be a director of a tennis tournament? Because that's happening more and more these days. Yeah, why not? But um, we don't have a tournament in Luxembourg, so that's what we need to do. We need to try to get one uh, one there, and then maybe I, I could help there for sure. Oh, that's uh, a sound out and shout out to Luxembourg Tennis Federation, isn't <laughs> yes, it? Yes, it is. <laughs> you played a couple of um, Olympics, and you were the flag bearer for Luxembourg. What was that like? That was amazing. I mean, um, that's probably the the thing outside the tennis court that was the the, the nicest i mean to to be there at such a big event to be the flag bearer for your country was, was a great honor and it was something very special and how did you do 2012 in london and then 2016 in rio yeah both olympics were actually okay results wise um, wimbledon i won a round lost to istomin with match points which was a bit disappointing i think i would have played if i remember correctly i would have played roger the next Ooh. in the next round so that was a, a shame to lose that match but then in Rio, yeah, I played well. Um, beat uh, Janovic and Tsonga, then to lose a, a tough match against against Bautista. Um, yeah, it was it was one of those Olympics where I felt like I could do something. I mean, obviously, winning a medal for for Luxembourg would have been huge because we it's not happening very often. <laughs> and I, I really felt that I had a chance there because um, I mean, Djokovic lost early in the ma- in, in in the tournament. Uh, so some of the top guys didn't come. So um, that would have been really nice. That would have been the, 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 yeah, the really nice thing to do. But yeah, unfortunately, Bautista that day was, was too good for me. And you've got some great tennis memories. And tennis has given you an awful lot, hasn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, tennis, everything that I have today is because of tennis. So uh, um, it's really nice that I was able to do that. I was able to, I mean, as a kid, uh, I had a hobby and I was able to, to make work out of it and to make a living out of it. So that was something very special. Well, Gilles Miller, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You've got a wonderful memory. Thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful to speak to you. Thank you very much for having me.